Welcome to A Sex Worker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm your host, Parker Westwood, and this week we have our first repeat guest. I have the absolute pleasure of speaking to the one, the only, Amber Delise yet again. She reached out to me about a topic that she was rather excited to discuss on the podcast, and I obviously was here for it. The title that she gave this topic was Courageous Conversations with Clients, which, and we all love a good alliteration, so of course I said yes. So we dove into this idea, and there's a lot about communicating boundaries clearly while also maintaining a connection, um, leaving room for there to be still intimacy and vulnerability after setting a boundary. And there are new rapid-fire questions because I didn't want to ask Amber the same questions again at the end. So stay tuned to the end to find out what these rapid-fire questions are. Amber also gets the chance to talk about a group that they started, a group of sex workers that meets regularly called Tether, um, as kind of like a support network to be able to discuss things that we may not get to discuss with other people in our lives being in the work that we're in. So that's rather exciting. It's all, it's just a really great episode. Amber is just so easy to talk to and, um, yeah, and I just, I love, I love hearing her voice. Editing this was great. <laughs> yeah, so I guess before we dive in, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm infinitely grateful that you all choose to listen to this podcast of all the podcasts that are out there. Um, in the ep- episode that I did two weeks ago, kind of reflecting on the sixth month mark of doing this podcast, I le- listed a bunch of other sex worker podcasts in the show notes. So be sure to go back and check those out as well. If this is a podcast you like, I'm sure one of those or multiple of those are going to spark your interest as well. Um, so let's just dive into this episode and hear what Amber has to say about courageous conversations. Let's do it. All right. We are here with Amber Delise yet again, the first repeat guest on the show. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm honored. I'm honored to be the first repeat guest. I was really excited when you reached out with a, with a topic idea. Um, for those of you, for those of the listeners who maybe didn't hear your last episode or if this is the first one they're tuning into, why don't you introduce yourself yet again, name, pronoun, where you're based, and um, what kind of sex work you do? Mm-hmm. I am Amber Delise. I am based in uh, Boulder, Denver area, Colorado. My pronouns are she, her, and I am an escort. Fantastic. Um, and it's so good to have you back. Last time, we talked a bit about curating date experiences uh, to become more intimate, um, especially during COVID, um, the challenges that we faced during that time. We talked a bit about dating. Um, but this time, you threw out the topic idea, and it had a title and everything, and I love you for that. Courageous <laughs> Conversations with Clients. <laughs> and when I read that, it sparked so many like ideas of how how that could be interpreted in me. 
Um, would you expand a little bit on about what you meant by that and what it means for you? Mm, yes. Mm. So I think we can interpret it in a few ways, but I think the first one that comes up for me um, and came up for me when I sent you the email was communicating boundaries. Um, also communicating when you have been hurt by the clients and being able to work through it. Um, and then also on um, like the positive sort of future sense, like communicating what you want, what you desire, like, you know, what you, what you desire from the relationship, um, how you can support them, how you want to be supported. Um, I think when I think of courageous conversations, I think about like going a little bit deeper, um, being vulnerable with each other and something outside of the realm of like, what is sort of stereotypically thought of as like the classic appointment where you're just like, hello, how are you? Like, everything's wonderful. And then let's, you know, have a drink, let's have intimacy and then goodbye. Like, but just sort of more like interweaving into like the deeper threads of each other's lives, obviously for us in like a way that is comfortable and safe. Um, but yeah, all of that, all of that in a bundle. Yeah, I think uh, I'm really excited about this topic because it is like as you, for me at least, as I've gotten to have longer term relationships with clients, there's like the, that formula for like the first date uh, or the first few dates is just like it doesn't apply any longer. We're learning more about each other. There's less superficial stuff to talk about. Um, mm -hmm. And so you do end up having these deeper relationships. And um, I think one of the things that you brought up in the email was um, learning how to be vulnerable and authentic without giving too much of yourself. Would you speak mm -hmm. to your experience in that a little bit? Mm -hmm. So when I first started Amber, I definitely, I feel like did what I think we see a lot of like baby providers do where we're just like, oh, I can create like um, a different character and just be that person all the time and be that like smaller aspect of self. And I definitely tried that and it did not work. And, <laughs> um, and then, so I, I noticed in my life that I tend to learn and experience things on like a pendulum. Like I'll be like, I'm over here, you know, and I'm just going to have this like small aspect of my personality represented. And then I'm like, no, that's not the way. And then I swing back to the other side too far where I'm like, oh, I'm going to be super vulnerable and like share, you know, everything. And then I'm like, oh, wait, that's like too much. And not even that I started to share things that were too much like safety or information wise, but just things that were, um, I, I don't, I don't mean, I want to say sacred, but I have a thing about saying sacred and it meaning keeping it to yourself, but um, like sharing things that I, I want to keep between me and like my loved ones. Um, and then feeling like resentment because of that. And then feeling resentment for, for the client, even though I was the one to offer the information. So I think from experiencing like those two realms, then you kind of like settle back into like the center. Um, and so from there, like for me, what helps me now is embodiment. And um, when I'm in the moment with a client, like staying connected to my body and to my center and like to my breath, um, and from there being able to, to notice, like, am I, am I like drifting too far forward, like out of my body to share this information? And then why am I doing that? Am I doing that? Because 
I actually crave like a deeper connection with this client and I'm like overextending, but then like I can be in the moment and in like the mindfulness and the awareness and like come back and be like, okay, well, like that's, that's great. You want to be more connected, like how wonderful, but like, what's the way I can do that. And also like be in my, in my truth and in my center. So it's sort of a like mindfulness and embodiment practice that I get better at every time, but of course I'm still on the journey of, so. Oh, absolutely. I, um, I did a branding workshop with PS group and, and one of the things that PS PS group is, uh, they're like a branding, they, they help with branding and marketing strategy and specifically for sex workers and like escorts that advertise online. Um, they, they're also, um, the group that did my website. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. And they will be linked in the show notes. Um, <laughs> but I, they, when I did the branding workshop and and continued to work with them, there was one thing I kept trying to like take photos of me doing like ceramics and and things like that, and it just like didn't quite fit into my branding. Mm-hmm. And they reminded me like, hey, sometimes there are things you just should keep for yourself, and like that that are yours and yours alone and like sure it might come out with certain clients and that's fine but like it's your like that's yours and you don't have to work it into your brand um Mm -hmm. and I really needed to hear that because I I'm definitely the kind of person that like just my go-to is to just show up with everything um and extend myself a little too far Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, we were having this conversation in, um, I, I host a weekly group for sex workers called Tether um, or for full service sex workers. And we were talking about this and how, you know, the, when you move into a space, especially with a long-term client, especially with like the clients that like really deeply support us and we, we really care for and are in our lives, like we, I think it's a natural tendency, especially as sex workers and people who are so empathic and who want to like be there essentially emotionally, you know, as much as possible, it can be natural to like, want to just like give, give, give. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it is like, I think once, you know, for someone that is doing this, like once you like start figuring out or expressing like, like, no, like, and this is for me, it can, I think the more you do it, the, the easier it feels and then like the better it feels. And then it can also be like almost playful too. Like, I'm like, oh no, this is, this is all mine. <laughs> like, like you can't see, you know, like I, I gave um, one of my long-term clients like a, a little tour of my, my new house. I just bought a house in Colorado and of like the living room area. And he was like, oh, like, like, let's go upstairs. And I was like on the, on the camera and I was like, nope, my bedroom is all for me. Like, but like, thank you for asking, you know, it's like, yeah, I think it can be, it can be a really like delightful, empowering thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I definitely had a similar thing where a client was like wanting to meet at my personal residence. And I was just like, no, um, there was a time where I considered seeing, like seeing clients in my, my personal space. And not that that's not for everyone. I just knew that like, that would, make this space feel like a workspace for me. And, and I needed, um, I needed my space to be mine. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So um, would you 
expand on Tether a little bit, like how that came about, what it is, um, and all. And all. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I started to a happy dance. <laughs> no one can There's arms flailing. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I just felt like I, I have so many good um, girlfriends in my civ life, and whenever we get together. Um, we, like maybe like once a month we'll do like a, a pretty intentional gathering where we like all bring something and then I mean we're obviously every time we get together we're always sharing about our lives and connecting but there's usually um, a bit more like intention around these dinners and we'll like ask like a specific like central question and then like go around and share and um, in, in less of like a back and forth kind of way but more like you know one person kind of has the floor for like five to ten minutes and sharing and there's just something about you know this kind of structure and containership that I was like I've never experienced that in a group of sex workers like I, I have one-on-one -on -one, um with with a few um amazing providers that, that I'm close with but usually in groups I've found and I know I feel like this is like not true at all of like your Detroit crew and I'm like so jealous and like part of me wants to move there but like in in, in other places I've gone like I I have not felt the the kind of um, deeper connection that I'm that I'm longing for, which doesn't mean like you know reveal all of your civilian information, but just like kind of like very dropped in conversation. Mm -hmm. I was like, I know this is possible. Like I know it is because we're all very like deep and profound humans um, doing a job that is like twelve hundred jobs all at once. Yes. And so I was like, well, I like looked around at first. I tried to like. I was like, of course, I'm not going to be able to Google this. And of course I couldn't. But, um, and I was like, I'm just going to make it. <laughs> I'm just going to make like a, a group circle and I'm going to facilitate it in the way that I have a, before a few times in my life and also have been a part of like women's circles. Um, and I, yeah, we, we've been getting together um, for, I think we're uh, four weeks now and it's a, a six week container. I, I wanted to make it eight weeks, but I'm, I'm doing a long like fly me to you and I can't, but um, ideally I'd like to do it again. Um, and it's just a small group of us and every time it's a bit different. And um, we generally, we might start with like a meditation um, together and it's on Zoom um, just to be clear. And uh, we start with a meditation or like a visualization or sometimes like embodiment and then we might share on like a specific topic like boundaries or like one person um, might bring like, like it's something that she's working with that like she can't share on Twitter because it's client facing, but also like, you know, maybe, maybe has like some close friends to share with, but like in, in a group of like all full service sex workers, like hasn't gotten to like process. Um, and I really, I like that. It's, it's really juicy all the time. Um, yeah. And then usually will end similar to how we started, but something like I've been, and I don't want to make too much of a tangent about Tether, but I just love it so much. But um, something that I love that I've been practicing with it is um, something that uh, one of my mentors calls feminine, feminine leadership, which is, you know, you, you obviously have like a plan and like a structure for the like event or the meeting, but um, to be in like a, a feminine uh, energetic space is to be open to like the moment and be open to what what is called for and what is coming through in the moment. So um, 
and she, yeah, she has shared that she's in the group, so I can share this, but um, Ari, uh, is she, she shared with us that um, she does body scans sometimes, like in the moment with clients to be, um, to stay in touch with herself. And so sh- she was just mentioning like a few things about like what that means and like how she checks in with like, where is she holding tension in her body? And like, you know, how are like, are things clenched and, you know, things like that. And then at the end of one of the groups, I was, I just like felt called to ask her and like, I know Ari and she would say no if she didn't want to, but I was like, Hey, like, would you be willing to lead us all in a body scan to like show us and also like close the group? And of course she was like, sure. And, and it was just like, so wonderful. Like I got to lie down, everyone lied, you know, lay down and, and I got to like receive and surrender a bit. And it's just, I love creating a space where like we, we can all kind of step up in the moment and like co-create together while still like holding the facilitatorship role. So anyway, those are just some things I'm loving about it. And I feel like I could talk about it forever, but. <laughs> yeah, that sounds fantastic. And I think it is so important, especially as sex workers, there's not a lot of places we get to talk about that area of our lives. Um, and like all of the ways that it influences like other parts of our lives. And um, it's really nice to feel reflected back. Um, and so mm-hmm. I'm so glad that you started that. It's, it's oftentimes when we're looking for something and we can't find it, that's the sign that we have to start it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Evelyn Savelli was here in Boulder and she and I were spending time together and I was telling her about kind of like the seedlings of the group. I hadn't thought too much about it yet, but she said something um, that really stuck with me. And she was like, there, there are some things that like only fellow full service sex workers can understand. Like there's some things only providers can understand. And we were talking about like, obviously the importance of therapy and all of that, but it's like, that just really like landed with me. I was like, that is so, so very true. <laughs> like therapists can of course, like hear us and reflect us and, and help and, and our, you know, civilian friends. But I really, I really think that this experience is so multifaceted that there are really, <laughs> there are really some things that only fellow providers can, can really, can really get. So. Yeah. I really, I love the name tether too. Cause it's, I'm, I mean, it just reminds me of like being, having a tether to self. Um, And sometimes we need other folks to remind us how to come back to ourselves. Um, And like in the conversation that we're, we're gonna be engaging in around like these courageous conversations with clients and having boundaries and, and staying in touch with the self in order to maintain these relationships in a way that's healthy for all parties. Like I just love, and it's been important in my practice, um, this like cultivating a community to Mm. keep grounded in who, who I am and what my values are. Um, Mm. And I wonder if we can kind of use this moment to to pivot to talking about boundaries and like um, in maybe in the sense of like boundaries coming from the self and like what that's looked like for you. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I appreciate your your direction and containership. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so so what is the? Can you say the question again? Yeah. So what? Um, maybe, maybe it's not the greatest, it's not really a question. It's more of a concept um, that I've had in my head, but like, 
I've been thinking a lot about how boundaries are for me and, and not for the people I'm creating the boundaries around, around and with. Um, and because I used to think that boundaries were like, I'm creating this boundary for you because you are doing this thing to me. And mm. now that I have done a bit more of like the healing work and, and grounding in myself, I'm recognizing that like those boundaries are actually for me because I, like I tend to be the one to overextend. Um, mm. Right. Mm. And like all of those sorts of things. So maybe, um, if you want to talk about an example of like, what boundaries have you drawn for yourself and, and what <clears throat> that process looked like for you? Mm. One kind of light one is coming up. Um, and sometimes uh, people ask me this and, and, and I, I'm excited to share like how I navigated it. But so overnights, I feel like overnights tend to bring up boundaries <laughs> for, for us, hopefully. <laughs> name them. Um, because the, I mean, even if it's, you know, like not a client who's going to like try to paw at us all night, like there's still, you know, we all have ways that we like to sleep and can, can actually fall asleep. And <clears throat> I think that, so for me, what I have done, um, when I have like a first overnight with a client is I will make sure that, you know, usually after dinner, when it's like, we've gone to get a cocktail, I will approach it from a, a kind of playful, flirty way. Um, and I'll be like, you know, I want to have a conversation about like sleeping together and like, how, how do you typically like to sleep? And I found when I ask that and kind of like bring it up as opposed to, you know, you know, especially for like a first overnight, you know, you're at dinner and maybe there's like a moment where you kind of just fall asleep or something. <laughs> and it's like, I, I don't know, I like to talk about it. And I think that talking and bringing it up in a, in a playful way is fun. And so, you know, I'll ask that question. And then usually the men I've asked that to have all been like, well, you know, I like to cuddle, but then, you know, I kind of need to fall asleep alone. Like I, I, I need to sleep like separate from someone, mm -hmm. um, which is really convenient because that's how I want to sleep. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and I've yet, and I mean, like, of course, if I did, then I'd have to say something, but if I knew that had someone say like, oh, I like to, you know, touch all night. Like usually it's like, oh, like I get really hot. So when I'm sleeping, I have to be apart. And, and then, you know, whatever they say, I'm like, oh, wow. Like, thanks for sharing that. And like, this is how I like to sleep. And like, I love to cuddle, but then like, then I need my space. But then in the morning, like I like to cuddle again. And, um, you know, just like sharing things like that and, and framing them from a perspective of like, we're going on this like fun journey together. And I want to make sure that we have the information that we need to have like the best time that we can have to like have great intimacy and then like get some actual sleep, <laughs> you know, and then like make a plan for the morning. And then, yeah, same thing in the morning of like, how do you like to wake up? Like, do you, do you like coffee in the morning? Like, do you like, do you like to bring me coffee? And I don't know, I think with those kinds of things, it's easier to be like sweet about it and like flirty and like, it's a bit different when you know, something's been, someone's like pushed you in, in a way. And then you need to kind of like come back and be like, that wasn't okay. Or that wasn't comfortable, but yeah. Yeah. And I think thinking about that specific scenario of the like overnights and, and how do you, how do you like to sleep? I think it's super easy for people to read into 
our like nocturnal body language um, or each other's, right? Like if, if someone likes to cuddle all night and you overheat and pull away, like it's really easy to read into that the wrong way. Um, so communicating about it beforehand is just a quick and easy and fun way to just nip all that in the bud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So talking about boundaries and sex work, what comes up a lot for me um, is more of these like the harder, like harder boundaries. Like that one, that one's like a fun, easier sort of boundary. Um, but there, like, I personally have had situations where, um, like had a, I, this was early, oh my goodness, this was early, early Parker era. Um, and I was just getting my sea legs and I had (laughs) baby Parker and I, I had a client who had been like, do you know what second life is? I do. Yeah. Yeah. For for listeners who who don't, (laughs) um, Second Life is a, like a virtual alternate reality where you can like have a job and you have an avatar. And the idea was that you had a second life and, um, some people found it rather addicting. There was a whole, um, uh, like sex scene, um, like a very like BDSM oriented sex scene on Second Life. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also remember like Apple Computer had like a, a face, like a lot of businesses were investing. There was virtual money involved. It became a whole yeah. thing. Um, I don't know if it's still going because I don't pay attention, but uh, <laughs> this guy had played a lot of second life and um, lived out some fantasies on second life. And so there was no conversation, like had no real um, awareness of, of consent language and like safety and um, like checking in aftercare, like none of that stuff. And uh, we had had a, a little bit of a conversation, but I I guess I like didn't there were like things I didn't think to ask because I hadn't had that experience yet and um Mm -hmm. I ended up having to like hold a boundary with this person afterwards a very like clear like I can't see you again kind of boundary which Mm -hmm. yeah sucked um to to have to do because I did think I didn't think he like meant anything uh harmful Um, but the idea of seeing him again, just like caused this bodily anxiety reaction. And I, I just like, couldn't lean into that. Um, Mm -hmm. I guess like for sex workers, we have, there, there's a thing that comes up for me in holding a boundary with clients, um, that is like fear of losing a client and Mm. because it's, that's our money. Right. So how do you navigate this like fear of losing a client and like having to hold these harder boundaries that could be taken offensively um Mm -hmm. things like that yeah when you ask that I'm just reminded of early baby Amber times more and man I feel like 20 is I I guess I think I started Amber at the end of 2017 I feel like I'm starting to forget now when she began but um (laughs) 
2018 was like the year of resentment where, where I just like, there would be so yes. many moments with clients um, where I just did not stand up for myself or, you know, and not like um, really huge harmful ways, but just like small ways of um, making myself smaller or swallowing, swallowing something that wanted to come out. And I just noticed whenever I did that, it, it felt viscerally like parts of me would like die or just like shrink. Yes. And I think I just couldn't, I just didn't want that feeling <laughs> anymore. And so um, I started to just name, name more and more like the, the things I wanted in the moment. And I think just, yeah, testing, testing that and noticing that the clients who dropped off were the clients that I really didn't want to have anymore anyway. <laughs> and the, yeah. And the, yeah. So really just like the, the validation and affirmation of that. And then the clients who would hear me and I definitely, I was, I was probably pretty messy about naming, naming things sometimes um, because it would, it still wouldn't be like, I wouldn't be as responsive to my my feeling or body in the moment because I was still learning. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, the clients who would hear me and, and still, you know, request to see me again, or, you know, still send me flowers and gifts and, and things. I was like, okay, like this can be okay. And also I'm noticing that like it's, it happens to be the clients that I want to see again. <laughs> so just, I think experiencing that and, and it takes some trust for sure. And also like, you know, we, we've talked about this before of like, like privilege of like being okay financially to like make those decisions and like also just our own like efforts and, you know, wherever we're at in terms of advertising or, or, you know, being on social media and all that. And um, so it takes that to be able to, to practice this, but it's such a beautiful practice. And I feel like it only grows and it only like enhances our lives as in my life as a, as a sex worker. So I'm worried I didn't answer your question. Did I answer your question? No, I think you, <laughs> I think you did. Um, yeah, and I I too have a, that similar experience of like once I started to I would like shake every time I would the whole like set the boundary. There's something about I mean I'm a people pleaser and and so like and I have deep fear of conflict um, with people I know. I think with people I don't know, I'm willing to like go for it, but. Yeah, it's, I would just like shake when I would set a boundary and um, that's become less like that bodily reaction. But I also realized too, that as I set boundaries, not even necessarily in person, but like over email or, or whatever, um, I had less and less of that particular kind of client or that experience pop up to the point where like, I, I don't really have people pushing um certain buttons any longer because they just like don't it's like well no I don't know if it's just well known or it's just like an energy I put out now that it's like I don't put up with that shit um oh, so I think that's part of the reason like I'm attracted to you too and like wanting to have you in my life and wanting to be on your podcast is like I I sense that about you and that that helps me trust you honestly and I think that's another thing is like if we do share what we really want like and like the clients who we really want to keep, I think, do want that. They want a, a person who it, you know, has has an understanding of their own awareness and desires and their no and their yes. And I think that that can be very sexy and attractive. 
Absolutely. That, and it, it creates a clear container for us to build a relationship within um, mm. when we have those, when we know our boundaries. Um, mm. I think about that a lot in terms of like BDSM relationships too, is like a, a dom that had like, even if they're just completely arbitrary made up rules or like things, it's, there's something about this like container in which we get to exist or like that's part of a scene is like you're setting a scene there are rules within the scene and then when the scene ends those rules can dissolve and like but like knowing knowing the space in which we're building is really comforting mm-hmm. yeah I'm can I ask you a question sure I'm curious when it is hardest to hold boundaries um, and I'll just answer it too, because I, this is coming up for me, but for me, it's um, when I'm touring, mm. that's when it's hard um, because I guess I go into like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Venus and Virgo. And so I go into like my Virgo and like, okay, this is what I'm spending on hotel. This is what I'm spending on flight. Like, this is what I want my profit to be, you know? And like, if I become like that, I can, you know, maybe say yes to an appointment I don't want to, or like, you know, stay longer than I want to or something. Um, and so, yeah, that's something that I'm definitely still working on. Yeah. I think that resonates with me that uh, I find when speaking of the word tether, when I'm, um, touring, I don't have my normal space. My normal routine is a little messed up. And so like, I don't feel grounded, and that's when I'm, when I'm not grounded, that's when I am willing to make more compromises. Um, and so definitely when I'm touring, I also find financial insecurity. If I get in a place where I'm like, oh my God, there's no book, there's no bookings on my calendar. And yeah. I start to like freak out about the fact that I don't see any projected money coming in um yeah sometimes like an only or you know what what you might name as wasted money if it's like the hotel or whatever oh yeah and not even on a tour but like just in general um if I go into a place of financial insecurity and scarcity mode I will compromise I I used to like compromise my safety in some ways um not not always in this work either yeah and and that that is a scary place to be. I really try to stray from that and have people I can reach out to, to be like, hello, I am spiraling into financial scarcity mode and I need, I need some grounding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Having a support network is so important. Yeah. So I do have that. Yeah. I'm glad you're cultivating okay. it with Tether. It's so good. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, can I add just one more thing? Um, boundaries and, and what helps me at least is so journaling and tracking like what has happened because I've held a boundary can also be really fun um, and can like inspire continue to do it. So I don't know if you call this a boundary or just a no, but this is actually the last time I was in Detroit where I had a request um, and I uh, it has, it was someone I had seen before and I had told myself I wouldn't see this person again. Um, and then they made a request and I said yes at first because money. <laughs> and then um, I felt like sick about it. I was like, my stomach was in knots. And then, 
And then I had, of course, like, luckily I had an appointment uh, with my therapist, like a zoom call. And because of that, I was like, I'm going to turn it down. I'm going to like say no. Um, and so I canceled it and, um, I then tracked what happened that day and like so many amazing things happened. <laughs> like, like I just got to dance around my Airbnb. Um, I made like a deeper connection with like a man that I was talking to at the time. Like I just kind of like tracked my day as if it were like, I don't know, like a story or something or like a, a show or a narrative. And, and then like got to look back on that in my journal, like a month later of like, Oh, I'm, I'm glad I did that. Cause like maybe these things wouldn't have happened. So yeah, it was helpful. Yeah. Will you, um, just for listeners who aren't familiar with the concept of tracking, will you kind of dive into that a little bit for us? Ooh, yeah. I guess what I mean when I say that is um, I often find that like, so for me, um, divinity or my spirituality means that I am connected to everything and I'm connected to the universe or the higher power. And so I sometimes notice like I I feel pulled somewhere or led somewhere. And so those things show up as clues. And, you know, of course it could show up as like numbers seeing like, you know, 1111 everywhere could show up as like a song or it could show up as like more meaningful as like, you know, seeing, seeing a person in a place that like you would never see them or just anything, whatever clues mean to you. So for me, it's kind of, um, it's like playful and spiritual of like, I'm like tracking or keeping track of like those clues that mean that I'm like on the right track or going in the right place. So. Yeah. I always think of it um, as like, I, I grew up in, in an area where like hunting was a big thing. And so I often think of it as like tracking an animal where you're like looking for footprints and like the, like the broken branch and the um, so you're like tracking Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tracking the like moments and the things that are, that are going on. And I do love that it's personal. Um, like I could hear a song and be like, oh my God, like this means, this means this thing. And it means I have to go like find water or like whatever it might be. And to someone else is just like, yo, that's just a song on the radio. Um, <laughs> calm down. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. I sh- really quickly, I want to share something crazy. So when I, I bought my house earlier this month and um, this is nuts. So when I had to, I had to like raise the amount that I, my offer was because the real estate market is fucking nuts um, everywhere in the country, but definitely in Colorado. Um, and so the number that I put in, like the amount that I had to pay or the amount of the house, like that I'll have to pay was the exact same number as my Amber Twitter followers. <laughs> like, like that's so, so weird. Like, and it was, it was a day where I think I'd like made a post or something. And so I'd gotten like a, a couple hundred new followers. So the amount wasn't like, yeah, I didn't know what it would be. And like, literally like the minute that I like signed the like contract to make like the offer for the house, it was, the number was the same. I took a screenshot. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, oh my God. And so like, to me, it was like, I mean, it's like some people might think that's like a silly thing or whatever, but it's meaningful. Cause it's like, Amber has made it possible to even buy this house. So it was just this really like, this is right moment. Like one of the many, like little, this is right moments that, that happened for me. So yeah, things like that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's pivot back to boundaries a little bit. Um, because you had wanted, one of the things that you had mentioned in your email was tactfully communicating boundaries. 
mm-hmm. like especially if mm. like if someone truly violates a boundary we can be like fuck you I'm never gonna see you again or like whatever it is right but if someone mm-hmm. violates the boundary and we want to keep them as a client um like how what does that process look for you I know you have a recent experience too and if you are willing to share I've I'm all ears and would love for the world to like share in this experience with you. Yeah. Well, I think so. I'll, I'll share that after. Cause I know that's a bit more like involved, but mm-hmm. I feel like at first um, when sharing a boundary that, or sharing that, you know, you feel upset about something or you're feeling like closed off because of something that a client did. I think that um, setting context is really important first. So like approaching it of like, hey, like I want to share something that's still feeling sticky for me and I'm sharing it um, with the desire to like bring us closer or with the desire to like keep our friendship intact or our, you know, lovership intact. And so I think just something simple like that can be really great because, you know, sometimes I think culturally, if you say like, you know, we have to talk or like, I have to talk to you about something. Like a lot of us kind of like, like close up because that's just like a phrasing in the English language that, you know, means like I'm in trouble or like, you know, yes. you're me, which like is fine to share, but it's just so, it's just so marred in like childhood crap for so many of us, you know? So, so to start with like, Hey, like I want to share something with the intention to like keep, keep our connection. Um, I think can be like a great, Thing to do so yeah um I think that's but, that goes back to the container piece of like this is the context in which we're going to be talking mm-hmm. and like not leaving so much to the imagination because I think like you said our yeah. trauma our trauma response is to like for for a lot of us is to start to prepare for the worst um mm-hmm. and like spiral mm-hmm. and then we can't I feel like we can't then bring our most like receptive selves if we're also like worried that we're going to be hurt or abandoned or (laughs) like yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely yeah the so the story that I want to share is um so I have a pretty long-term client um and and this is relevant to the story so um I will share like he he's like my biggest patron Mm -hmm. I would say like my biggest client financially and so obviously there's a lot there <laughs> of like fear, you know, coming up potentially. And um, he, I noticed one day that he uh, was looking at my uh, civilian Instagram stories. And um, so I, yeah, I had this happen. I, I noticed that because um, obviously you can see who, who looks at them and there's a bit more context to that, but I'll keep sharing from here for now. Um, I So we were also doing like a digital um, arrangement of uh, we use Marco Polo to share videos back and forth um, every couple of days. And so when I noticed that I went into our Marco Polo thread and I was like, hey, like I noticed you did this and I'm really angry and I'm really upset and I will talk to you in a few days. Um, and like, I care for you and I'll be back. Um, mm-hmm. And I know like for him, Um, I mean, he's pretty secure in general, but I think like when threatened or when something is threatened that he loves, he tends maybe toward anxiousness, um, which is also something that I tend toward. Um, And so like, I know that for someone who 
has like some abandonment and, and, you know, things like, like most of us, um, or who's mm-hmm. anxious, like, like, you know, basically to say like the, the version of, I love you. Um, and I'm, I'm angry and I love you and I'll be back is like important to say. So, um, I said that to him in my own way. And then, you know, logged off my Marco Polo and I actually like happened to be driving into the mountains, um, as well. So that was convenient. And, um, you know, I, I think, in that moment, like I could not communicate. I could not say like, Hey, let's have a talk, blah, blah, blah. Because that was just like, it just enraged me. (laughs) I was so angry. And I feel like on, in our like Twitter sphere, you know, we, we see a lot of like that happens, you know, like fuck them, like just like never talk to them again or see them again. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I didn't know how I felt about it. I was like, yeah, this is like, I just know that I feel a lot of anger and I'll come back to you. And also I felt confident enough in our relationship that I could do that um, and that he would trust me that I would be back. So anyway, took a few days <laughs> and then, um, you know, he, he, he mentioned when I came back, like he was just like, like in terrible, like agony, like for those two days of just like, ah, like I heard her like, oh, um, and so we had a date, um, a booking coming up pretty soon. So we kind of like, I was like, okay, like I'm back and I've, you know, I don't feel like as much anger, but I do like want to let you know that's a huge violation. And like, I never want that to happen again. And he was like, yes, of course, of course. Like, uh, you know, let's connect about it in person. Um, so when we got together, um, I was still feeling like very, upset and we had like a, I think it was like a three day or something. Um, and so what we did was I, I had decided that I was open to like hearing him out, um, as to why that. And I mean, to be honest, like, I don't think there's a good, there's a good reason. So not, I would still would say that it wasn't a great reason. Um, it was that like, I think I had been, I had been more absent, like, than usual or something on our Marco Polos. And so he like felt the desire to like check. He felt like he was overcome with his curiosity, right? So like not a good reason, but <laughs> like that was his reason. So, okay. Understandable, but not a good reason. Yeah. Yeah, right. Like it wasn't like I was worried you were dead or something. And so I checked on your civilian social media. Right. Um, still not a good reason. And still it was like, okay, you have this not good reason, then do, what do I do about that? Like, do I, do I say go away forever or, um, so when we got together, um, so, okay, I'm going to actually track backwards. So some, there was something that I noticed that was very interesting. And I, before I say this, I want to preface it with like, this is not to give him an excuse, give him an excuse to have done this. And, and he knows that, um, but I was, I was seeing someone at the time, um, I was dating someone and, uh, I'm, I'm glad to not be dating this person anymore because I had gotten to a place where, um, he was not okay with my work. And mm-hmm. I, I got to a place of saying like, I will go on hiatus for you. My intention with that was that the person I was dating would then like, you know, we would go out with like, you know, like my friend Amelia and her fiance, we would, you know, maybe go see a therapist. We would like spend the two months that I would be on hiatus, like unraveling his like, you know, inner beliefs that he doesn't know exist about sex work. Um, Like, yeah, intention there. Um, But that was a no for him anyway. So, you know, we ended up not seeing each other anymore. But 
But when I had this conversation with this person I was dating and I told him that I would um, stop working for two months, um, it was the same day that my client checked my civilian Instagram stories. Mm -hmm. And he didn't know that. And, you know, again, it's not an excuse. And the way that I, the, the closeness that I feel with this client, I do not doubt that there's like some tiny energetic portion that felt that. Yeah. Like that felt that pull away. Mm -hmm. And I know that's going to be a bit too woo woo for a lot of people to hear, but like, I believe that. And there's a, there's, there's enough inner space and world inside of me that I've grown to have compassion for that possibility while also still holding a boundary of like, fuck, no, that's not okay. Yeah. Not okay. So yeah. Um, anyway, I just like, you know, like we've talked about, I think like the nuance is important to share, like when to share like all of the things that could be happening energetically or logistically or, you know, so there's that. So going back to the appointment that we had, um, scheduled. Yeah. Can we so just for a second, oh, cause yeah. I think that, I mean, there's so much in this, this there's first, so much. yeah, there's so like, there's just so much, I would love to just pause and, um, yes, thank you. talk about this first part. Cause the, the self-knowledge that it took for you to be like, I need some time, um, and like hold space for your anger. Um, yeah. which I think is for me, like rage and anger is a really difficult emotion for me to process. Like mm-hmm. I'm actually just working with my therapist and like the, the people close to me that are on my journey, like working with tapping into rage and like how to actually like create space for it. Um, so that yeah. it doesn't come out sideways. Um, so for you to take a moment to be like, Hey, saw that you did this. I'm pissed off, but like still care, love and care about you. I will be back, but I need some time like that. That comes from a place of self-knowledge that like your work, the work that you do um, to like heal, to heal yourself and like get to know the like abandonment issues in yourself or like all the, the healing pieces. Right. Um, so first of all, just take a moment to appreciate that. Um, what did it, when you were in the mountains that I'm just like Mm -hmm. sensing this gap that I want, I'm curious about, but when you were in the mountains, when you, when you had moments to like experience that, that anger and rage, like, what did that look like for you? Mm. Yeah. Well that, um, because also of the person that I was dating and how he was like rejecting, like this deep part of my identity, there was also that that was present. So it was just like, this was the, this was a January of this year. And this was when I uh, learned to ski. So (laughs) I, uh, yeah, that's, that's how I processed it. And I, you know, there's, there's many ways that I process anger, but, um, being in the mountains and moving my body is, is probably the number one way. Um, so, and this was helpful because I, mm, I had not skied before, except for like a couple of times. And I fell in love with it. And so it also not only like the movement and the endorphins and the, you know, like study of it um, in terms of like watching other people and like trying to learn something new was, was a, was a really relevant thing. So being able to be in like beginner's mind around something was super helpful. 
And so it was like, I had passion around a new sport and, and, and beginner's mind and like this sort of like humbleness and like just fell all over the place. <laughs> and, um, and that was, I think really helpful. And also, yeah, kept me connected to myself while also like, yeah, burning like 2000 calories a day, <laughs> like skiing. So yeah, yeah. intense, intense body work on that one. Yeah. Yeah. And there's something that's always been there for me about like just driving off into the mountains. Like, I mean, I'm in Boulder and so, you know, I can see like the flat irons, but as far as like the, you know, 14,000 foot, 13,000 foot ones, like we can't see them super well from, from the Valley. But when you like, when I just go off, even if it's for like the day, there's some sort of like, like whimsical, like carefree feeling that I get that I don't Mm -hmm. get when I'm I mean, maybe like, you know, like kind of like a road trip feeling like setting off on a road trip, like just feels like you're kind of like leaving, leaving the things behind. And yeah, yeah, it feels really good. Yeah. Able to really show up for yourself in that space Mm -hmm. Uh, without all the superfluous daily grind things that we have around us all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, I'm about to go on vacation. So I'm, I'm over here like, yes, I can't wait for that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, yeah, let's get like you, you had a, you've had a a long-term connection with this client and you ended up going through with this like next booking. Um, so like, why don't you take us into that booking and how Mm. you navigated that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, it was a, a fly me to you. So, you know, I met him like on the East coast and, um, we, you know, I think we met in the afternoon. So, you know, we had dinner and, and things and, and chatted, but I, I guess that's also important because it had been two weeks or so. And I, I knew that we were going to have a deep conversation about this. And I think this is also something I've built, which I'm I kind of just realizing right now is that I trusted myself to have it because I think in the past, like I might be, feel anger and then express it, but then not actually have the conversation because I'm like, Oh, like that's probably all I need to do or something. <laughs> like I'm, I, I would try to like backpedal out of it. Um, but I think at this point I trusted myself enough to be like, okay, like we can have a nice dinner and, um, you know, talk about all the other things that are up, but, but like after dinner, when we're back in our like hotel suite, like we're going to like sit on the couch and, and like really dive into this. Um, and he knew that. And like, I think that that felt really good. So when we did that, um, we actually, I had us sit on the ground, um, because something about that felt like more stable to me and, and just like face him. And I, um, I think I had asked him to bring something, uh, sacred to him. And I had also brought like a few pieces to kind of make like a little altar, like a little shared altar to like make this space feel a little bit more sacred. And I think the the most important thing was that I needed him to, experience my anger mm-hmm. um not like projected out at him but just my like experience of it and at this point as I mentioned it had been two weeks later so I wasn't like in the moment of it so I got the experience of like like sitting with him and like just breathing and then like accessing it again um and then just like sharing like my like just through my body and my emotions, like my, my grief and my anger, um, not necessarily through like words of blame, but just like 
how, how deeply painful it was for me, um, which is hard to put into words, um, but I can try. And him, the way that he held space for that um, and received it and not in a way of like, I think there's many ways that I've experienced and probably done to people is like, like deflecting it or being like, oh, like, I'm so, so sorry. But actually in saying that I'm like blocking the other person from fully transmitting the emotion um, and letting it move through them. So he didn't do that. He just, he listened, he felt, he cried. Um, and I think, yeah, that felt really good. And so I called it like, it was like our repair ritual. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. And then I heard, I heard him, which, you know, he mainly was just expressing his, and that was, um, he said, uh, and I believe him like the only time that he ever checked my, my stories. Um, and it was some sort of accident that he knew my name anyway. Like I, you know, one of those, like you do a lot of fly me to use, like your name comes up in like a TSA agent or whatever. It's like, okay. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I heard, I heard why and, I heard that he just like had ex had some experience of like feeling a lack of me or like missing me. And, you know, I, I, you know, as we've said, it's like not an excuse. And also like, I want to hold the nuance that like we are humans engaging in this. Yeah. Um, and it's a really natural human thing to like be curious about someone that you love and care about. And, and also like, express the boundary of, of that and, and the boundaries that we have to keep in order to do this work in a way that feels good for us. So, yeah, so we had that and that felt good to me. And then um, I don't remember if we talked about it a couple more times, but I know like, you know, I think ideally it's like you do something like that and then, you know, both of you are like clear forever and like, it's great, but like sometimes things like little, little things like thing later and you have to like bring them up. So I think that was also important to name of like, Hey, like, you know, I might have some, some residual feelings like come up after this and I will name them. And yeah. So, but also I want to name, like, it was really terrifying for me. Like, I think I'm, I'm talking about it from re like retrospect where maybe it sounds like it was easy, but it was really scary. Cause as I mentioned, like he provides a lot of my income <laughs> and, um, you know, there, there was like many, many earlier versions of me where if this would have happened, I might've been like, like, Hey, like that's not okay. But like, haha, you know, like just sort of brushing it under the rug. And, and I really wanted him to know like how deeply it hurt me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, I mean, the fact that you propose the topic of courageous conversations is right on point. Cause I, like, mm -hmm. as you're talking, I'm, I'm over here just being like, you are so brave. Um, because even in a non like client relationship where there's not money involved, it's really hard to communicate our, our feelings and our boundaries like that. Um, and, and to like, as, as I was listening to you, I was like, oh, wow, we really just get to choose whether or not we trust this person to hear us. Um, because I think that's another important part is like, we can share our boundaries all day long, but do we choose the other, or do we trust the other person to really hear them and respect them? Yeah. Uh, because if we're the one constantly having to hold and reinforce our boundary, um, that can be exhausting. And like, that's not a respect 
and trust-based relationship. So the fact Mm -hmm. that you showed up and like trusted this client to hold space for you to share how you felt and how he affected you with his actions. And not only that, but trust that his behavior would change. Mm -hmm. Um, It's it's really, it's like fucking beautiful. I'm over here just like, holy shit, that's beautiful. (laughs) Um, Not to mention the idea of like a repair ritual. Cause I think that that's um, having just like a concrete moment of just like sharing sharing how you felt, but also being like, we can, we can move forward from this provided we both are holding space for that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you for your reflections. Yeah. They make me, um, <laughs> I, I, didn't, I knew that I didn't want to just be somewhere like middle of the road. Like I either wanted to be like, Hey, we need to reevaluate our relationship and maybe like stop seeing each other or, or I wanted to be like, okay, let's, you know, tackle this head on, which is like a funny phrase that I don't actually resonate with. Um, or like, you know, just, yeah, look at all of the different angles and nuances and, and move on, um, from here, move, yeah, keep moving on from here. So, yeah, I think with relationship conflict, it's, and like, I'll bring up cancel culture. Cause why not? It's really the, the easiest route is to just end it. Um, yeah, it's it's so easy. Um, but the the more complicated and and more difficult, but potentially fruitful and um, like full of information about each other uh, path is to to have the conversation, to communicate, to look inward enough where we can like know where we can know our boundaries and and um and know what we need moving forward I think old Parker like especially like before I became Parker I didn't know what the fuck I needed or wanted or like any of that and it it showed in my relationships I would like mold myself to people I would um you know not not let them know when they had a transgression over what what I later learned was a boundary um and it caused a lot of damage um so to be able to pre- I <laughs> to be able to practice that in client relationships has been something super valuable for me um because boundaries are essential in this work uh, boundaries of all kind boundaries on uh, this is my price and, and no, I will not negotiate. That's a boundary. Um, and, and they range from like emotional boundaries to, to physical boundaries, to financial boundaries. And so I think learning, yeah, learning what those are and being able to communicate them clearly is just a journey. I, I was sloppy in my first year for sure at times. Um, part of the process. <laughs> I really think it is because it. I've heard this from a few people, and I think I'm hearing this in what you're saying. And definitely for me, like when I first started to like learn about boundaries and express them, I would it would come off as like very defensive um, because I didn't like either trust myself or you know also also I think there's some 
there's some like anger there at the amount of times, like over our lifetimes that we like haven't expressed or like haven't been able to, if we were younger, you know? So I think that anger comes out first (laughs) as we're learning to express boundaries. And then when we like start to gain more trust in ourselves that like, this is for the greater good of all, like the people in our lives and us, like it can become a lot easier. Yeah. Easier and less aggressive. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. 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 And more like, empowered and centered and like clear yeah yeah Yeah, I feel like especially as um like people who grew up socialized as women um and and like really any um oppressed group like that that tendency to like when you set a boundary do it with a lot of um aggression or like that anger like all the things that are living in our beings around our boundaries constantly being overstepped um like that comes up so I'm I'm really glad you identified that because that's I think that's really important Mm -hmm. yeah I'm remembering um a quote that I heard somewhere that I think I posted on my Twitter like a long time ago, so I won't be able to find it, but it's something like, like boundaries don't always have to be like a barbed wire fence. Like they can be a light surrounding you saying like, I am worthy of this. Like I deserve this. And, you know, of course there are times when it needs to be that way, uh, a barbed wire fence. But I think in general, like the more we can like embody that space as like owning our, our boundaries for like our desires and also like against like, this is a no um, the more we can like, the more comfortable it gets and the easier it gets. Yeah. I, um, when I was first learning about boundaries, I, I really liked to think of it. I was like, oh, it's not a wall. It's like a cell wall. Like it's, it's living, it's permeable. We can choose to like change it, yeah. move it. Um, mm-hmm. but it's, it is. Cause I, I also love the ideas that like our boundaries, shift and change with us as we grow um they're not like an impermeable wall that just stays where it is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah I love mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Hmm. as you were saying that something just came through for me so I feel like I should sh- should share it um I think for me the the less resistance I've had internal resistance I've had to this work like to being a sex worker, um, which I think, and this is another topic for another time maybe, but I think we all have and start with and um, hope, hopefully are moving through like a, our own internalized stigmatization around this work. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> another, another podcast. Um, Absolutely. But, yeah. Um, but I have grown to like integrate more and accept more that my purpose flows through this work. And when I, when I've gotten to that, to those places, um, which sometimes I still like resist it, uh, I then notice that like my greatest challenges come through this and like things that I'm supposed to learn come through this. And like, like I like got to do a repair ritual with this person and, and maybe that will benefit me in the future in a, you know, partnership or a friendship when I need to like set a boundary like that and, and repair a relationship. So I'm getting to practice like the way that I want to relate and the way that I want to connect to people like through this work. And when I can see it from that perspective, I notice like more beautiful things happen in my life. 
exactly that I I resonate with that wholeheartedly like I said I've learned I've learned so much and it's like I've learned a lot about myself in this work um not to mention about like the world and my clients but like I've learned a ton about myself and I I value that so so much um is there is there anything else you want to share on this topic before we move into some rapid fire questions Hmm. You feel complete. Hmm. 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 I think the only thing that I'd want to share is to maybe go back to <clears throat> something from the beginning around that this is a practice and it's not sometimes I, I want to think like, oh, I've you know I've shared a boundary and I and I'm done now, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> Or like that won't come up again, you know? And it's like, I think like accepting it and integrating it as like a practice that you may need to do and will need to do like over and over again yes. as part of your like growth and, and life is, is a really, is a good way of thinking of it, at least for me. Um, and I think it, it might, it might help like soften, soften it to knowing that it, it's a part of your daily probably practice, um, to keeping yourself safe and, and thriving. Yeah. I love, I love that. My, the perfectionist in me is just like, wait, what? (laughs) I can't do it perfectly the first time. Yeah. What, What bullshit is this? But yeah, that's, it's a practice. And the more, the more we can internalize it as a practice, the better off we will be. Like a self-care practice. (laughs) (laughs) Showing up like, someone said recently, like, I am my own primary partner. Maybe it was on like an Instagram reel or something, but they were like, Mm -hmm. I I am my primary partner. And I was like, oh shit, Mm -hmm. we can do that. Um, And Mm -hmm. I, I really love that as a concept. And like, when I am my primary partner, like, I do exactly that it's a practice of loving myself um because relationships are cultivated I don't just get to to be like I love myself and now I'm done it's like a every day (laughs) 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 nothing else will happen to shake me (laughs) (laughs) all right I um, I realized that you have already been on the show and thus have answered the rapid fire questions. So I quickly, I, I quickly came up with some new ones for you. Awesome. <laughs> I was going to say, I remember not being good at these, but I'll try to be better this time. <laughs> like I learned, what I learned is I'm actually the one that's bad at these because I'll just like ask for their questions. And then we have another like half hour interview of just the rapid fire questions. So (laughs) (laughs) absolutely. Okay. So are you ready? I'm ready. Cats or dogs? Cats. I want a cat. (laughs) (laughs) That was fast. Hiking or kayaking? (laughs) <laughs> star trek or star wars oh i don't like either of them i know i'm those <laughs> followers um i don't i don't like either of them no that's okay it's not everyone's cup of tea uh, we <laughs> can't my friends anymore though i'm sorry no, I'm just <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> sorry. 
<laughs> but no, I like them for both of us. Um, what is your artistic medium of choice? Oh my God. It's always changing. Um, honestly, right now it's interior design because I love my house so much. Um, and also writing. I've been doing a lot of journaling, so we'll go with those. Fantastic. I love them. Uh, what book are you reading right now? Oh my God. Thank you for asking. I'm reading a fiction book called, uh, I'm looking over here at it cause I'm longing to read it <laughs> today. Uh, it's called Clara and the sun. Oh, what is it? What is it about? Yes. Um, so the main character is um, an AF, which is an artificial friend. And so uh, basically in this world, uh, children who um, I think are, are struggling with like learning disabilities or other disabilities, um, they buy or their parents buy them artificial friends to help. And this is from written from the perspective of that artificial friend who, of course, like has like a really high emotional intelligence. And it's so good. It's so good. Oh, my God. Oh, that sounds incredible. I love science fiction so much. <laughs> that sounds so good and relatable considering the work that we do. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite comfort food? Oh God. Um, mm, sorry. There's so many things floating through my head right now to say. <laughs> I see it happening. Your eyes are just like all over. I love it. <laughs> Oh God. Um, there's a really great restaurant in Boulder called Basta and they make these Detroit style pizzas um, with like the thick, like super like crispy, um, like fried crust. Anyway, my comfort food right now is getting one of those and like taking one of the squares and then frying an egg and putting it on top of it. Oh. So that's my comfort food. Eggs on everything. <laughs> really? Yeah, just so yolk good. dripping. <laughs> yes perfect what is a song an album or an artist you're currently obsessed with mm, feverkin mm. oh my god do you know feverkin i don't i, I don't I, to be honest i'm not sure if it's an artist or a band i just I've, i heard them a few times on spotify and i've made playlists of feverkin and it's it's like the sexiest drippiest but like violins and beats oh my god i uh -huh. love feverkin um, Overthought and October are two of my favorite songs by them, or I don't know if, who they are, but yeah, listen. <laughs> um, I definitely will. I have a soft spot for violin, like deep, deep soft spot for violin. If you like the song Overthought, then perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, a silliest memory or your silliest memory from childhood? Hmm. I don't have a lot of memories from childhood, but. Oh, this one's hard, Parker. Hmm. I thought this Silly. one might be a little hard. It's a little hard. Oh, rapid. I'm not. This is I not. think we could also okay. do it as like a silliest, like inner child memory. Like if you have something current where you got to be silly and it tapped into your inner child stuff. Ooh. Uh, okay. Well, uh, this is what's coming up. So okay. um, I recently we hosted a bachelorette party for my best friend um, at this house uh, two days after I moved in, which was crazy. And during it, um, we were, we did like, you know, great, great food, a little intentional circle. Um, and then um, 
I suggested we all do some like cleaning and uh, basically it was like 10 women in the kitchen um, like cleaning and then also twerking because we also played like wet and like bus it <laughs> and like <laughs> really, really fun. And then, yeah, we just like twerked and like flailed around and also magically got the kitchen clean in like 10 minutes, which like, it's always amazing when like people help out at a party, it's like just done. So yeah, just the, the flailing about for that felt like really playful and also effective. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so, so much. My, my whole, one of the quotes I use most often is if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. So sounds like you were doing it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some, one of the girls made a time-lapse of it and it's just really funny to watch like dishes disappear and then like booties shaking, like all at the same time. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. And the last one is what is your favorite way to wind down or treat yourself? Ooh, so this is all just like super, all my answers are like very timely because I bought this house. Um, so usually at sunset, I, um, pour myself a little glass of wine in one of my like Zalto glasses that are like huge. And then I walk out my back door and I just start like walking around the neighborhood and I see all the pretty flowers and I smell them all. And then I just, I also have this like giant, like incredibly breakable wine glass that I'm like holding. Um, so yeah, just walking around my neighborhood and looking at the flowers. And I also have a swing set like right behind my house. And so I go on the swing set with my Zalto glass. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I guess also me um, caring for my inner child and also my, definitely my adult self <laughs> too. <laughs> That's one of my favorite ways to wind down. That's beautiful. I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show again. I'm so grateful that I've met you and that you continue to be like someone that shows up in my life, but also like in the sex worker world because you you provide this like light and, and warmth. Um, and then with the tether space, I know that that means a lot to a lot of people. So I just want to thank you for being here today and thank you for doing all the work that you do. Hey, thank you, Parker. You, I love this podcast so much. I feel like the space that you hold and the direction and leadership and also the effort I know you put into it is just like stunning to me. So yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. If we could hug right now, uh, we would. (laughs) Someday soon. Oh, wait, we'll do a little, let's say goodbye to all the listeners before we stop recording. So bye, everyone. (laughs) Find us on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all for joining us for that conversation. I am so grateful that you're here and you're listening. If you like that content, please share with your friends. Uh, Give us a shout out on Twitter at SexyGalaxyPod. And... um, rate us five stars, give us a glowing review. Uh, that really does help boost analytics and get more, more people's eyes or ears on the show. Um, if you really like the content and you want to see some extra bonus up epi- or here, I don't know why I'm saying see so much. If you'd like to hear some extra bonus episodes, uh, you can find those over at Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash sexy galaxy pod. And I've been posting bonus episodes. There's some behind-the-scenes content. I've been trying to have a little more content over there because I was not for a while. So, 
<laughs> hopefully all the Patreon members are feeling that effort. Um, love it. I love everyone who's supporting the show. And if you're not able to support the show right now, totally cool. I'm just grateful you're listening. So keep that up. <laughs> um, oh my god. I, I feel like I run out of space facts, but it's only the limitations of my imagination, of which I know none. So I just have to stop putting myself on the spot. Something most people may not know because they haven't been into space, not yet anyway, is that thongs are actually the most comfortable form of underwear, aside from no underwear at all, to wear while you're in a spacesuit. Um, so keep that in mind, make sure you're dressing appropriately next time you venture into space. Nanny nanny motherfuckers. Yeah.